you so much for coming to wherever the fuck we are. That was Bob Slayer. That was his short intro. He said, I'll just give you a quick short intro. Had a story about how he got drunk near a bank. I don't think that he knew a guy that gave us this venue. I think we broke in and there were chairs. And now we're just running this as long as we can until the cops arrive. Because this is, this, this is insane. We're in the old Throgmorton Club. I, I did some research and that I Wikipedia Gentleman's Club and started reading. By the way, 46 gentlemen's clubs operate in London, three in the United States, one in Canada, and by the way, the list for England are divided by fictional and non-fictional. <laughs> it was fucking insane. And reading about it, ne next door is something called like the J Lions evil white men drinking whiskey and going, you see that? It's a globe. And then they throw it into a fireplace. And it's where Margaret Thatcher claims she invented soft ice cream. Yeah. What the fuck, right? <laughs> like, because in anyone else, you'd be like, what a charming little anecdote. And they hear about Margaret Thatcher, what, did she put poison in it for the poor? And she didn't actually invent it. It's a much more Thatcher story, which is it was invented in America, and then she copyrighted it in the UK and claimed she invented it. Right-wing politics coming at you! So, uh, for those of you who don't know what a gentleman's club is, it's, it's not really a gentleman. It's uh, old white men. And they get together and they talk near their leather-bound books and leather chairs. It's like, I don't know why I'm posed <laughs> like this either. For those of you who don't know what you're about to watch, it's an hour-long podcast where I talk out of my ass and the door is locked and you'll have to get through Bob. So you're not... And he's got more stories. He, <laughs> right, Bob? Yeah. See? He's, he's fucked up. So... Um, so I'm going to talk off my head. It's, it's Christmas themed. I, I looked at some amazing Christmas stories. We're going to discuss that. We'll talk to the audience. A woman who works at a fetish club. We will get to you. <laughs> First question. Does the fetish club change for the seasons? They have themes. They have themes. Is there a Christmas theme? Yes, there is. Oh, let's get into it. Is it <laughs> naughty and nice? No, it's just Christmas. It's just Christmas. <laughs> most beautiful point right there. You're having eight dildos in you. A Santa hat's enough. You don't... <laughs> it doesn't need to be determined like, well, uh, the Hanukkah Harry's in there. A fan of Saturday Night Live from the 80s. John Lovitz, right? Whatever happened to him? Not a lot. Now. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. We're going after everyone. I've gone after Thatcher, John Lovitz. Watch out, Dane Cook. I'm fucking coming at you. <laughs> Strap in, edgy comedy, here we come. Have you heard of Carlos Mencia? Me neither. <laughs> right, guys? No. Um, so I think my favorite, two things have happened this uh, ramp up to Christmas. Big things. Two amazing things that have happened all over the internet. The first, and I think the most amazing thing, was yesterday a disgruntled employee of Harrods broke into the lighting room. I don't, who's heard this story? Do you know where I'm going? Okay. It's the greatest thing. A man named Lloyd, a man named Lloyd Gordon, working for Harrods, they fire him three weeks before Christmas. And what does he do? Does he get drunk, belligerent? Does he punch a kid? No. He seeks vengeance in the most brilliant way. The way it's described, Lloyd Gordon found the room that controls the lighting system that illuminates Harrods and spent three hours figuring out the switches <laughs> so he could write, fuck off Harrods. <laughs> the amount of joy that's in that story. First of all, he gets fired. And you can see him, he's sad. He already works at Harrods, which can't be fun. 
So every 45 minutes, a drunk guy named John Hastings coming and going, you guys still sell scorpions? Because I want to buy a scorpion. <laughs> we don't, John. Could you leave? I want to buy an elephant. Why are you talking that way? Stop it. And I'm being mischievous. And so he then he gets fired. He's sad. He's walking by a room, I would assume, that's marked the lighting room. <laughs> and he goes, oh, let's go in there. And he goes in, and it's an old building, so it's not like a computer. From the description, it's literally like a light switch, like light one, light two, light three. And he thinks, I could leave, maybe get my job back at Harrods one day. No, no, no. <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing, because you know that he had to stop midway and walk out and puck off. No, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Back, and no one stopped him. It's the most English story. The, Lloyd, what are you still doing here? I'm working. Oh, I thought we fired you. In a way, you will. And then <laughs> just fuck off Herod's. And then it's, it was reported in amazing ways. So I saw the story. I went and I looked at The Guardian. And the reason why, or reason, because reason, <laughs> being mischievous again, the reason why I like the newspapers in the UK is that they're like, it's like my family getting together. There's the left-wing pretentious person, moi. It's the Guardian. Would you like a hummus recipe and a reason why David Cameron's haircut caused the Holocaust? We have four articles about it. What about Jamie Oliver? We don't care for him now. The only chefs we like have no hands and they cook only using their mouths and ideas. And then you have like a smattering of various right-wing ideas, like starting with my mom, who's like, we need to be more fiscally responsible. But what a gentleman and another gentleman do in the privacy of their home is none of my business as long as it doesn't affect me tax-wise. That's when I start to get concerned. <laughs> and then like you move forward, and there's my like my dad, who's the son, and then he, what he says is sort of half-truths, but really he's just about naked ladies. And, <laughs> He listens to this, and I say that to him so I can get the emails, John, you talked about me again. Could you be more factual? And I'm like, what's not factual about that? And then he writes like, I do love broads. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, then, and then you move over and you get to like the telegraph, and that's like, it's the telegraph, it's the really right-wing one that's literally like, today the poor caused AIDS again. <laughs> is, it, is it the telegraph? I don't know what I'm going to, you're just in the front row. Not a lot of newspapers at the fetish club. Oh, fucking good point. Yeah, that is not a place that wants to be brightly lit. Like a dank... One person went, aw, listen, would everyone... Li listen, if you want to, you know, go there dressed as Snoopy and get fucked by a man dressed as a Christmas elf, but during Easter, do it there. What's the name? It is the place for it. Your accent is so perfect for working at a fetish club because it sounds both angry and amused all at the same time. <laughs> That is a nice cock. Who knows if you're being sarcastic or not? <laughs> um, and yeah, and then you get the really right-wing ones, and that's my grandfather who's just at the head of the table still smoking because, God damn it, it's my country. And, and he just will spout off. I was telling him about UKIP because Canada, we look at British politics of like, oh, look at what they're up to. Hey, they used to have stuff, and now we have stuff. I'm from Canada, by the way. I'm not just like an American who's getting up on himself. I don't need to explain that. It's all the friends that my flatmates, my friends, and my girlfriend have dragged in. You know who I am. <laughs> by the way, the pressure of this gig, because my girlfriend works for this very posh fitness company. She's like, I'm bringing all my friends from work. I'm like, this will either be like a, oh, John's really funny, or the lighting was very professional at the show. <laughs> he was up there for his allotted amount of time. It was, and he didn't, Stop talking at all. I thought we would laugh, but we went a different way. 
And so it's that. And I do, I love the gardening, I love, because it always, it always, live, I don't know what I was talking about. Anyway, I will talk about the man with the golden gun. But first, we're going to get to the big news of this week, which was the Discovery Channel in the United States on Sunday night aired a program called Eaten Alive. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, a man said he built a suit that would allow him to be eaten by a snake, and they were going to film it. <laughs> Let's just imagine being in the pitch meeting for that show. A bunch of Hollywood types sitting there having green drink, various like coffee but no caffeine, soy lattes, and they go, gentlemen, three weeks from Christmas, we are going to make all the fucking money in the world. <laughs> How's that? Is Jesus coming back? <laughs> Better than that! Still biblical, though! We are going to get a man to build a suit, and then he'll be eaten by a snake. How long should the program be? 30 minutes? Go fuck yourself, 30 minutes. <laughs> Two hours. <laughs> mm. And it is, literally, it's exactly the guy you would think it would be. It's that guy, we've all been at the cocktail party, and he's there, and he's in the zip-off shorts. You know the shorts I mean? <laughs> that are both pants and shorts, and he usually wears them as shorts, so the short part are, like, like bleached from the sun, and then the pants part, so the original color. He's wearing some sort of gray shirt. He has the hiking shoes and, like, just a crop haircut. He's not eating what they serve. He's like, I only eat granola because, you know, it's Christmas and I'm carving up for the snowboard season. Yes, I'm 52 and I still professionally snowboard. It's not professional. I have to pay for my lift pass, but I give the tips to the Swedish tourists because, you know, the snow here in uh, a place I don't ski. <laughs> <laughs> Mount, go get a fucking job. Uh, listen, I live in Canada. Do you know what Canada is? We have a West Coast, and it is full of British people just walking around, skiing, and acting like, oh, Canada's like this. No, it's not. The rest of us have to work very hard and pay 10% of our taxes back to your fucking country so your dad can hang out in the Throgmorton Club where Bob Slayer will find him, kill him, let the building decay, and we can have a comedy gig so I can get off my chest, and you guys need to start fucking working harder. Yeah, I'm becoming my dad. Someone show me their tits. Now. <laughs> Run it back! Mm, okay, so... Two hours in, and, he's, and his name's like Blake McGillicuddy. Like, it's just a hateable <laughs> human. And he's, and he's got like a team together, and they're building the suit. Now, the suit, my first question was, how's he getting out of the snake? My flatmate Ryan said, well, he's punching his way out. <laughs> and he said it in that way that, like, if you were standing in a park and you went, is that the sky? And he went, yeah, that, that's the sky. And you're like, yeah, that's the only way you would get out of the snake. So. <laughs> We strap in. We download it illegally. That's right. Yeah, I'm a fucking rebel. I download shows illegally because if you're going to have a snake eaten for two and a half, two hours, I'm not watching it with commercials. I'm going to steal it illegally and watch it in my jam jams eating cereal with Ryan and my girlfriend while he's stoned. But in the early day, and he writes, it's not a big deal. And, and so we start going, and literally the opening credits, and we already are just like, boring. Because the suit was not a suit. His arms we're exposed. I know nothing about snakes. Do you know anything about snakes? Not a lot. Not a lot. What's something you know about snakes? One thing. They're long. They are long. <laughs> Very good point. Goes to where we're going. Which is, if you have a suit to allow you to be eaten by a snake, you want your arms covered. You don't want, like, you like covered in metal, but I don't need these arms. It's, I'm, I'm the man who's about to conquer a snake. Afterwards, I will become a snake. They don't have arms. I don't need arms. So... <laughs> T-shirt. I'm screaming at my television. Put the chainmail, fucker! What the fuck are we doing? And also, they were still in the jungle. And for me, I'm like, no, 
it needs to be in a white controlled environment. You don't go to the snake's house for something like this. You bring them into your environment, a clean white room. They're like, no, we're just going to go find a snake, which I'm like right there. No, this is going to be shit. This is going to be bullshit. You don't just go find a snake. You want a big Hollywood snake with like flame decal on the side. <laughs> it's sponsored by Nike. It has its agent in the background. The snake will eat only 15% of the human being in accordance of uh, CAA. I don't know what that is. FCC regulation. It's American television. I'll translate as we go. And <laughs> there is also people listening, so sometimes I will refer to things I do visually. I shouldn't have drank so much before we started. I got nervous. And so they go in, and the whole hour is all of them just trying to figure out what's going to happen when the snake eats him. I'm not a scientist, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> no story begins with, so I was eaten by a snake and ends with, and I'm fine now. <laughs> so I'm like, I know he's going to die. So he, and he's just, he's essentially just wearing a welding mask, a t-shirt, and like thick waiters you would, w that like your uncle wears who lives in the woods, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then just sort of boots. Like it's nothing, in this isn't a man who's about to be eaten by a snake. This is a guy who just fixed a boat. <laughs> and so they find this big giant anaconda and they go through all the health regulations and they don't do something like he's in one corner and the snake's in the other and they rush at each other they just have the snake they're holding it and then he just walks up and lies down next to the snake I'm like, oh, get fucked <laughs> and so the snake tries to eat him and then he fights the snake for a bit and then the snake goes oh, I seem to be losing this fight how's that oh I'm a snake and he, the snake just coiled around him and just put his mouth on his head, but not even the whole mouth. It was just sort of like he was just like like kissing him a little bit. And then he went, oh, I can feel my arm breaking. Let's call it off. And then they called it off. The, that is bullshit. What should have happened is that should have happened. And then like Joe Hollywood should have flown in on a helicopter, shot him, and then fed him piece by piece to the snake. And at the end went, happy holidays, and walked into the jungle. That would have been satisfying, but it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing venue to be here. It's a pop-up, ridiculous venue. Cam coming here already, because we're in the financial district of London. Now, I live in the London that the rest of us live in that looks not like this. There's no glass or cleanliness or cars. <laughs> we live in actual London, where it's like a man yelling at a post box. There's a baby smoking. We don't know why. <laughs> Nothing is clean. No one's wearing a suit. There's one guy wearing a suit, but he's selling a big issue, so you're confused. <laughs> And then you come down here, and it's like they've hidden it from the poor people. They're like, do not tell them about this, all right? Like, <laughs> we have all of their money just right here, covered in glass. They'll fall. Like, in between, uh, during, right before Bob's show, there was a guy just washing a Rolls Royce Phantom on that street. <laughs> do you know how, that's like a 100,000 pound car. I have no fucking idea, but it sounds expensive. It's an expensive car, and he's literally just wiping it down with a baby nap, like, I'm just like, oh, you're a good car. Like, where the <laughs> fuck am I? Before the gig, I got here at six uh, to check, like, technical qualities and monitor Bob's drinking. And uh, <laughs> is it okay I'm making fun of you, brother? <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> That's yes to his people. And, and these, like, these, like, fucking financial district dudes, like, the kind of guys that would say bro in a British accent. Like, they just, you're like, oh, I'm uncomfortable right now. Like... Like, date rape, but if you drew it. And they walked up. <laughs> Everyone laughed except my girlfriend's friends. That's going to be something to talk about on Monday. And so 
they walk up and they're kind of pissed up because they've been drinking since five. Because they're like, we just bought more of China, or China bought more of us. I don't read the books. And they <laughs> they walk up and they go, what is this? And I said, it's a uh, it's an arts and comedy pop up festival. And one of them just leaned and went, arts <laughs> or art. <laughs> and I went, arts. And they just nodded and they walked away. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bob. <laughs> Bobby, who was on before, I, I'm gonna. Bobby, are you still here? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bobby said. Bobby said they they weren't interested in art they couldn't buy. Where are you sitting? Oh, I see where you're sitting. That was just a creepy. <laughs> yeah, just prone and delightful. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Cool. <laughs> so it's um, I got nothing to say about Bo to Bobby yet. I will soon though. Right, Bob? Hello. <laughs> so weird, because they're literally on the two corners. It's kind of like angel and devil, but the angel's been corrupted and now has a meth problem. <laughs> and the devil took a day off. <laughs> That's a visual joke, so for those listening at home, go fuck yourself. Now. Move this broom out of the way while I think of where to transition to next. Yes, all right, so it's Christmas. What does Christmas bring? If your family pretends to be Christian once a year, it means you go to Christmas Eve service, yes? No. Oh, sorry, I forgot we're in the UK where you guys are like, God, go fuck yourself. <laughs> we believe in uh, being angry and, and clouds. That's, in it's the most atheist place. Like I, I, I live in a very Hasidic Jew neighborhood and even they, I think are doing it for the clothes at this point. <laughs> like, I've never met a more godless place, but not in like an angry, like, fuck God, more of like, we're in, come on, guys. It's just, you have to pay money to get in that one, and this is, this is St. Paul's joke. Also, let me, there's a group of people here, and now I think about it. One time, I was drunk with my girlfriend, and we were walking by St. Paul's Cathedral, and I had to pee, and she said, it's okay to pee on St. Paul's Cathedral. And I said, no, it's not, because if God does exist, that's hell right there. Like, I could literally be like, oh, you saved Africa from every disease. You invented a type of cancer that only attacked uh, rapists. You invented a type of money that can't be spent, so everyone's a billionaire. But one time you peed on St. Paul's Cathedral, <laughs> you're going straight to hell. <laughs> and I still will bring it up, and she'll be like, you could have gotten away. No, you can't, because listen, you have to live in a world where if God is real, he, he's angry at you for no reason. Did, did you guys not have those type of parents? My mom was like, that. just you, you be careful. God might be out there. Wh where? I, I don't know. <laughs> and so, so every year, and so I, I was raised... I was raised kind of Christian in that like every five years my mom would wake up and declare, we're going to church! And then that would last for about two years and then she'd be tired on a Sunday morning and would be like, eh, God's evidently not around, let's sleep in. And so <laughs> during a period of time I was a, uh, I was a um, what's called a server in the Anglican church. So you've ever been to a church altar service? Boy. Altar boy in Catholicism, but it's not Catholic, it's Anglican, the difference being there is that in Catholicism you guys believe that the bread becomes flesh and that the wine is blood, which is somehow the least creepy thing about the Catholic <laughs> Church. <laughs> I think that's why they did all the other stuff. They're like, this is fucked up. We need to distract from it. <laughs> Rat singers just eating a kitten. I got an idea! <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, all right. Just for those of you keeping track, the pillars that I've taken down, Dane Cook, <laughs> Carlos Mencia, John Lovitz, the right in England, yeah, fucking rebel, and the Catholic Church. I may have said that twice. Now, so um, I was a server, and so you carry like the, the weird cross, and then you just sit on the stage thing. <laughs> I did this for two years, and I'm literally just like, you know, the, where God would sit if he showed up. The God living room. You, you, on the altar. Thank you, condescending person, three rows. The altar. <laughs> so, the altar, right? And what I would do is about ten minutes into the service, I, they, right off the altar, thank you, um, there was a small toilet. And thank God the Anglican Church in Canada has not had a sex scandal, because that doesn't look good. <laughs> Having a church altar-adjacent. And so there would be a toilet, and what I would do is I would sneak away, and for 30 minutes, I would just sit in the toilet, and there were like two stalls, and I would just sit in there and just think about stuff, just like, when's this gonna be fucking over? I wonder what I got for Christmas. I think about that all the time. And one time, it was Christmas Eve, and I'm in there, and they, I could hear the, the choir singing, and then I just hear this like kerfuffle as played by this broom, like. And it was just this like stamping of feet and then I just see, do not fucking fall broom. I just see this like, the, under the stall, I just see this, this robe like shuffle in to the toilet. Like pants drop faster than I've ever heard anything in my entire life. Still singing, said, ah, and then he dropped guts like I have never heard in my life. 45 seconds. Just a quick, like, wipe. Didn't flush. What the fuck? That's God's house. And then literally open the stuff. Ave Maria. So anytime I go to, like, church on Christmas Eve, it's literally all I can think is, which person in that choir ripped ass in 1999? And then you know about the, the, the any Christian organization. It's still the same people. Like, there's no one new being, like, no one walking by going, yeah. Yeah, this is for me, unless they had a drinking problem. That's how you become <laughs> Christian now, is you have that one friend who was like really fun, and then he had like 23, and he is not fun anymore. He just has stories like, what did you do last night? Oh, I, uh, a meth. You're like, oh. <laughs> Why'd you do that? Well, alcohol doesn't do it for me anymore. What, what, what do you mean? And he's just like, oh, I had like 11 drinks. And you're like, 11 drinks, and you're not dead? Listen, I'm from Canada, where we drink <laughs> responsibly because we've been told it's not running out. The rest of you guys act like there's some sort of time when it's just going to end. So, like it's just coming. You guys call it January. Have you been in England? <laughs> Everyone's just walking. What did we do? Slow moving through Heathrow Airport, coming back from Ibiza, just covered in various diseases, just things smeared. This, this could be ketchup, or this could be the reason I can't find my wife. Just <laughs> walking slowly into the tube, and they're just, why did that happen? I was supposed to go to Turkey, not to Ibiza. And then and in January, there's no fun. There's no fun for the entire comedy club's shut in January for the month. As a comedian, they literally tell you, yeah, you, there's no work in January. Why? N no one has any money. <laughs> what? It was just Christmas. They must have gotten things that they could sell. Yeah, they did. This, this is New Year's Eve, and they, they bought Jägermeister and champagne and <laughs> made Jägerpain, which is an appropriate <laughs> name for that cocktail I just invented that no one should ever drink. Because <laughs> I, uh, 
I was once there. I was there for the invention of a cocktail that was one of the worst things ever, which is you um, you take uh, Red Bull and champagne and you put it together 50-50. Uh, and here's what happened. Uh, my friend Gio, he got married. He got married in the best wedding I've ever seen, which is the, um, on the Saturday. They uh, rented out this small church in the middle of the countryside in Canada. What does this have to do with cr uh, Christmas? Nothing, <coughs> but doors are locked. And so... <laughs> And so it was a Saturday, and they had the service, and they had it with the family, and it was very, very nice. And we went downstairs, and everyone took photos and had like a little bit of chat, and it was beautiful. And then everyone went away, and then the next day, the Sunday, we drove to a field that his parents owned, and they roasted a pig, and we played horseshoes, and we drank from pile of alcohol. I that it was, it was as if we were like we're gonna kill someone with this either under the weight of the empties or with the amount. And we, by the end of it, we only, but they had bought an unordinate amount of champagne. I don't know if you've ever just drank a lot of champagne, but it's not, your teeth hurt after like two glasses and you're just like, I don't want to be reminded this is a bad idea this early. That's the morning when you wake up and you're bleary eyed and, and you have like a hash brown stuck to your forehead, <laughs> which is how I woke up the next morning. I was outside my tent, hash brown, open beer, uh, unopened beer, unopened beer in each hand, and my friend Matt the Stringler Simpson kicked me awake and went, looks like he got breakfast for me, and then took both of the beers and drank them. He's on the shelf now, meth. Anyway, so um, I have to remember to edit his name out of that right there and continue on. And so... Uh, <laughs> And so, uh, and so then that day, and so we just had a lot of champagne, and and the the groom Geo was just like, we gotta keep this party going. That's great groom right there. What's that? I'm supposed to consummate the marriage with my? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting drunk and playing horseshoes. No pussy can compare to that. And <laughs> they've since divorced, and uh, <laughs> and so we combined uh, champagne with Red Bull, and it was the greatest feeling I've ever had. Every idea is good. We, we broke into someone's swimming pool, which we have yet to been able to find on a map, but there are photos <laughs> of us in a swimming pool. We don't know where. We may have stolen a car and just driven till we found a swimming pool. <laughs> like that, this girl, Lindsay, she broke her knee, and then her husband just went, don't ruin the party, and fixed it. <laughs> they, they went to the doctor on Monday, no signs of a broken knee. So either we were so drunk that she thought she dislocated it, or he has healing powers. <laughs> <laughs> but then we all woke up the next day, and I can, we've all been hungover, and you meet with your friends that you were drinking with the night before, and you walk towards them, and there's that kind of like, that nodding of like, we made it, we'll never talk about what we did last <laughs> night, where was that swimming pool? <laughs> and we all, and, and my friend Andy, he was wearing a garbage bag and half of a swimsuit. <laughs> no explanation for it. I don't even think he went swimming. I think he just had a swimsuit. <laughs> and he went, does anyone else have a sinking black hole in their spirit? <laughs> and we all went, yeah. And he went, yeah. I think the, the champagne was like fun. And the Red Bull was like, you're supposed to work. And they're right now fighting for my soul. <laughs> and then we all just cried for like 40 <laughs> minutes. And then Andy just started singing Benny and the Jets. <laughs> And we went and bought poutine. So that's the reason why I was called naughty that year for Christmas. Boom! Saved it. Back to where we are. What are we at? Rollicking into minute 33. Let's speak to someone in the front row who we don't know yet if you work at a fetish club, sir. Does he work at a fetish club? I don't know. Not much, but... How many fetish clubs are there in London, would you say? Uh, a lot. A lot? 
More than 46? Which ones are fictional and which ones are non-fictional? <laughs> the most accurate answer to that question I've ever heard in my entire life. The ones that aren't real don't exist, and the ones that do, go fuck yourself. Now, hello, sir. Hello. What's your name? Stuart. Stuart. Powerful name, Stuart. And who is this with you? Corinne. Corinne. Stuart and Corinne, are you guys friends? Uh, we're married. So yes, that's lovely. I suppose we are friends then, yeah. All right, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> Enough with the romance, brother. Oh, you guys definitely are in love because you're doing that like, here's a cheeky joke she won't enjoy. Oh, Stuart, stop it with your cattiness. Um, and how long have you guys been married? Since uh, July. July, yeah. Yeah, okay. And what, what weird cocktail did you guys drink at your wedding? Oh, what the fuck story do you have, Corinne? <laughs> did you guys hear that delay of the like, well, it wasn't a cocktail, it was cocaine, but still, you went with the dress. Yes, I am. I, I know that as an Italian, uh, right? Lauren, is that what that is? <laughs> no, but it's okay. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> so, so it was a scratch wedding. We're having the real So you wedding. guys like broke into a theater like this and just had a wedding? We're having the U.S. premiere of our marriage next year. Fuck yeah. So you try and get out in the foreign market, see if it makes money, and then take it to Hollywood? <laughs> We're just upping the production value. Yeah, fuck yeah. What's up industry in the room who would love the shit out of that reference? Oh, very good. I wonder if he can break into the East Asia market. You know, that's very big right now. They just came online. They have Apple computers. Most of them are fraudulent either way. Now, um, and, so you, and so since July, and why did you guys have a, a scratch? Was it for visa purposes? Really depressing reasons that we won't go into because it's not going to be fun. Thank you very much, Stuart, for no being problem. British. Way to be American by... I'll tell the story. <laughs> that was so... No. That's fucking fantastic. And you, you have your wedding ring proudly, dis proudly displayed. And how did you propose, brother? Um, oh, God. It was, it was completely oh. unexpected. Like, I decided... For both of you? <laughs> yeah, to me, too. I didn't, I didn't know I was going to do it until... You guys did... Hang on. You guys did not have the reaction that I didn't know I was going to propose. Usually warrants from people, because usually there's planning at least one person has to you know, buy a ring. They don't just, like, wake up in a jewelry store. I guess the heist went wrong. I need an excuse. Uh... That's both beautiful oh, and frugal. Oh. <laughs> and is that the ring he proposed to you with? No. Swing and a miss, huh, Stuart? <laughs> go, go ahead, Corinne. No, no, listen. No, enough of him. You're fucking gold. Again, depressing, so we won't go into it. Um, but no, I decided like halfway through. Do you work for the CIA? <laughs> You're redacting the story as we go along. But it is comedy death. Dude? <laughs> All right, I'm going to make up the story. Here's what happened. So Stuart took that ring from his, uh, from his mother, and she's like, whatever you do, when you put this on, if like a short, bald guy who talks in an annoying way comes for it, do not give it to him. And you're like, Mom, have you been doing acid again and watching DVDs? And she's just like, yes. Also, you look a little bit like Peter Jackson. I got stuck on the DVD featurettes. <laughs> Which is a compliment because he's lost a lot of weight and looks great in a beard. Now, <laughs> saved it. So, <laughs> then you went and took that ring to her, 
And then she put it on her finger, and she was like, you fucking piece of shit. I'm a Harry Potter fan, <laughs> not a fucking Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> and then fucking threw it in the ground, and then Gollum grabbed it, and he's like, holy fuck, Gollum's real. And they're like, no, this is just immersive marketing for The Hobbit 3 that's coming out. <laughs> Hence the US premiere happening later this year. Holy fuck, right? Mm. Gotta be honest, most of this is pre-prepared. Now, uh, <laughs> no one laughs at that nearly as much as I do. All right, let's get to it. So this is, I, I just wanted to come up here and talk about uh, gentlemen's clubs, Charles Morton, all this sort of stuff. The biggest thing that they talk about in all the Wikipedias, because it's the internet, is that it immediately verges into nerd culture. And one of my favorite nerd groups, not nearly as discussed, are James Bond nerds. So on the Wikipedia entry for all the other clubs, like this one, Charles Morton, JP Lines, all of those, there's like a little line like, this person was associated, that person was associated. Then it gets to one called the House of Blades, which if I'm gonna fucking have a club, <laughs> what a fucking name. Where are you a member of? Oh, I'm a member of the Throgmorton. Where do you sip whiskey and look at a, at a, a, a wooden falcon? House of Blades, fuckface. <laughs> Where is it? It's contained within a knife that you can only find in an idea. It's right next to Liverpool Street. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and it was the House of Blades and it's where, uh, Ian Fleming said that M's, um, M from James Bond, I didn't just say M and pause, because they were like, what are you, you ever had that moment where you're talking about something and everyone else is looking at you and you're like, oh, I'm making a lot of sense, and you literally just went, I don't know if this is gonna work, John. That's just for me. Anyway, so M, <laughs> M from uh, James Bond, his, um, uh, his gentleman's club was the House of Blades, and Ian Fleming just made it up and then people just made the House of Blades for like two years. And to show you what kind of dick Ian Fleming was, he sued them and then got a million pounds and then bought a bit of Antigua with it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is literally just like, oh, you think you're a white evil son of a bitch. Well, check this shit out. <laughs> and that got me thinking about uh, James Bond. I do love James Bond around this time was always a very big deal because when I was growing up around Christmas, TV used to shut down. Remember that TV would stop around like Christmas Eve Eve, maybe not in England, but in Canada, Canada, Canadian TV is literally like there's a husky dog next to an igloo <laughs> and a guy wearing a blazer goes, hockey is interesting, and those are the only channels. <laughs> and so you laugh. Bobby, is that pretty much describes Canadian television? Uh, I didn't, I would never watch Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> 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 really need to vet my expert next time before I, I do the old show. Nice try, Bob. <laughs> I love you. Do you love me? I love you too. All right. So <laughs> they have the uh, the James Bond marathon on uh, on TBS every sort of Christmas time, and I always have an affinity for one James Bond movie, which is The Man with the Golden Gun, because I remember I was watching it Christmas time. I was like 11 years old. I was with my friend Paul, and it was the moment I realized I was straight because I saw Roger Moore and I said, I must be like that. And then what it is, is that in the opening of, you, we've seen James Bond movies, right? I know you guys are all looking at me going, we, we, we got it, too bad, 20 more minutes of it. <laughs> now, the opening of every James Bond movie now is like a cool computer animated, like they're falling through a dartboard, there's the gun, what's he to do? But in the 70s, it was just women in shadows, colored, and then just bullets flying. And in The Man with the Golden Gun, there's a woman silhouetted and you see her boob. And it was that moment that I literally just, for the first time in my life, I saw that and I went, what are, what are those? 
And my friend Paul, he just, he nudged me and he went, those are breasts. Women have them. <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> That's how I found out I was straight. Thank you very much, Roger Moore. Who is the best James Bond? Because he actually acts the way James Bond should, which is he's just a guy who fucks people and occasionally saves the world, <laughs> but doesn't seem to be very focused on it ever. Like every other James Bond, like Daniel Craig, what, what's that? All right. Okay, let's get fucking into it. Sean Connery. <laughs> first of all, first of fucking first of all, Sean Connery hits women, therefore I win. And <laughs> what? Thunderball. He hits a chicken Thunderball, even though it turns out it is a man, but he didn't know that at first. <laughs> yeah, but you, who's even saying that? No one. Oh, hey, Kate. How's it going? <laughs> oh, my review is going to be balmy at best. <laughs> going well until he went for Sean Connery. Go fuck yourself! <laughs> Let me say this about Roger Moore, which I love, is he's also the only man brave enough still to wear bell bottoms. He appeared on the Jay Leno show, wearing bell bottoms. They asked him about it and he went, these are my trousers. Do you got a problem with that? <laughs> God, do I love Roger Moore. My favorite thing about him is he appeared as James Bond well into his 60s. James Bond's supposed to be 20 and spry, not confused, looking for his medicine, asking where he can <laughs> pee. All right, that joke was pre-written. And you know what? I should have stuck to riffing because it would have been so much better. This page is blank. <laughs> <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's, uh, it's about time to wrap up. Before we go, just a quick couple of things. One, thank you all for coming. Look at all of you out doing something crazy in London, artsy, ridiculous, repelling bankers with the very idea of sitting in this soggy room. Sorry, sir, you came so late. You literally came for this happy part. Should have been here before. There was laughs. They don't even know how they got married. It was <laughs> fucking amazing. What's he your actually returned. Oh, you returned? Were you sitting there the whole time? Do you know Bob? When did this happen during my show? All of you have so much information. I'm just up here prattling along. You guys are like, where's Alex? He still has his bag. On the tube, we were supposed to tell someone about this, even though we don't tell anyone about anything that happens on the tube. I want to conclude by talking about, by Alex. Alex, how are you? Have you ever peed yourself, Alex? It's going somewhere. No, you wouldn't. You, you got a pea coat. Nice shoes. What, what's your job? Bassoonist? <laughs> what? Plays the bassoon. You're an engineer. What is your favorite bridge? <laughs> what a good fucking question for an engineer, right? <laughs> Thank you very much. Unless that's not your... Say, um, Waterloo. Waterloo Bridge. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> it's a bridge to feminism! <laughs> yeah, of course, someone renamed it. <laughs> I'm so glad you came back for your bag, Alex. <laughs> Without you, it would have just ended on a weird Roger Moore anecdote. <laughs> Instead, you said, yay, women. Speaking of women, I'm going to talk about a story. It's my most famous story I've ever witnessed. I, I love London. I've lived here for two and a half years. Uh, it's, it's the best decision I ever made coming here. Going home to Canada on Monday. Uh, and I just wanted to submit, I saw something that could only happen 
in London, and it's both my favorite thing and a really gross thing. I was at Stockwell Station. I don't know if this is funny, but hey, I've saved it enough times. <laughs> I'm at Stockwell Station. I'm waiting to get the last tube home, that moment of desperation, that last tube when you're on the platform, you're not rushing, you're just like, I made it. I'm going to buy 10 lottery tickets. I'm going to win them all. I fucking rule. You want to <laughs> see my dick? It's a foot long. <laughs> and so I'm waiting. And, uh, and my, my iPod <laughs> had run out of batteries and my iPhone had run out of batteries. I have two. I like a lot of music, Alex, like you. Yours are just audio books about bridges, but mine, <laughs> various things. And so I'm just I'm listening to the scuttle button. It's very quiet on the tube. And then I hear the clickety-clack of a woman in, in high-heeled boots. And she... I don't know if you've ever been to Stockwell Station, but there's sort of there's two platforms here and here, and then there's a bridge across, and she sort of runs down the stairs, and she just puts her back up again. I was about to use this is the wall, and then realize there's a wall right there, dickhead. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and she puts she puts her back against the wall, and I've never I've never seen fear in my entire life like on this woman's face, and I'm like, what the fuck? am I going to do in this situation? My phone is dead. I can't call someone tough to come figure it out. I'm going to have to intervene. And I'm not a fighter, Alex. I'm a uh, 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 pussy, is the word. <laughs> and <laughs> so I'm watching, and then I just hear this man go, do it, Hannah! Do it! And I was like, what is going to happen? <laughs> and then she's like, he's, she said his name was Bernard, and it was just amazing. Just, Bernard, I don't know if I can! I was like, what? This is the most posh suicide bombing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> what is gonna happen? And I'm just like, I'm just like, just getting, and I'm just like, okay, so. All right, and she's just like, I don't. She shit a broom, that's what happened. <laughs> I don't know if this is a good idea, Bernard. And she just goes, do it, Hannah. Stop with your complaining. And she just goes, fine. Fine, I will. And then a shadow and then just water all around her. <laughs> and then she looked up and she went, I forgot to take off my trousers. <laughs> <laughs> and as she walked slowly onto the platform, the entire platform gave her a round of applause. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming. For Bob Slayer, who'll be at the back with the bucket. If you like the show, put some money in it. Bobby Mayer, my name's John Hastings. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, see you later. Good night!